15 years old, I was, I would come out of my room with my baseball glove in hand, and my mother goes, where do you think you're going? I said, I'm going to try out for baseball. She goes, no, you're going to try out for job ball. She goes, you're 16, 15, 16 years old, you need to get a job. I said, Mom, all, all, the, all the guys and, and all my friends are going out for baseball. I wanted to play baseball. She goes, son, uh, I understand that. She goes, I know you love baseball. I know you love to play. She goes, but you need to get a job. She goes, there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to, you're going to, have to stand on your own two feet. And we won't be here, thank God, but we won't be here. She was. She was like, you're going you're gonna to get out of this house, and you're going to you're gonna have, need to go to college. And uh, she goes, you're gonna, you, need to, you need to go find a job. I just like, well, Mom, I'm, seriously, Dad had sold the business. I'd been working for him, sold the logging business, and now she said, I got to go find a job. I go, I don't even know where to look. She goes, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> she said, I have an application for you right here. It's a Walmart application. I've already filled in all the things that you don't know about. And all you got to do is put your name there and sign it. And we are and take it up to Walmart. I go, Mom, Walmart? Are you kidding me? She goes, no, I'm not kidding you. We're going to Walmart. As soon as you sign it, we're going together. And she goes, I'll get you. A, we'll stop by Sonic. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I'll stop by Sonic afterwards and we'll get a, one of your favorite, Route 44. I'm like, I don't even want to drink that after, after going, to, going to application at Walmart. Turn in the application. They call me back. And you were looking at the new, brand new bike assembler at Walmart at age 15 years old. That was my first official job. I was a bike, bicycle assembler. I was the, uh, I put uh, furniture together and I put grills together. That was my job. <clears throat> my boss's name was Mr. McClanahan. Mr. McClanahan sat me down. He said, Chris, this is, hey, welcome to the family, the Walmart family. Is your, your job description, what your job is to do is to put bikes together. She, he goes, you got to make sure that they're together. Um, that's, that's your job. And I said, he said, you should be able to put about eight, but in an eight-hour period, you should be able to put together eight bikes a day. You have a 30-minute lunch break, and you have two 15-minute breaks. You should be able to put eight bikes together in, in that time. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir, I can do that. So here's your tools. You can go to and pick it. This is Walmart. You pick out any tools you want, but make sure that those bikes are together because this is, the, this is your job. I said, okay, I, I, I thank you. That's, that's, that's my job. And I actually, I had some other, some other friends work there. But the truth is, is that I, I was pretty proud of putting bikes together. I started off, I wanted to make sure that I put uh, the girls' bikes together and put the, 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 the men's bike together. And it was pretty cool. I enjoyed that job for, just, for, for a while. But then, then there came a time, Christmas time came along, and there was a rush. Uh, Christmas came, and there, there were people, their bikes were flying off the shelf. And I come from a small town, Camden, Arkansas, that's not a whole lot of people. So when they put in the new Walmart, it was like putting in Neiman's. I'm telling you, it was a big deal. But Walmart, Walmart was a big deal. People were coming from all over to see the big Walmart in Camden, Arkansas. And so we were putting, I was putting bikes together and there was a rush. And I, one of the other supervisors came to me and he said, he goes, hey, we got, we, we have a rush. There are carts all over the parking lot. Uh, I need you to come out there and grab carts and put them together. I go, yes, sir. I ran out there and I started putting carts together. And then I came back in and Mr. McClanahan was waiting for me at my spot. And he said, Chris, where were you? I said, I was putting bikes together. And one of the other supervisors came to me and asked me to go and put 
uh, and put uh, get carts because it was so so crazy. So I went and helped him, and now now I'm back. He said, "Chris, I'm going to write you up." I said, "What? What? Why are you writing me up? I, I went I went to help. Another supervisor came and asked me to help." He said, "Because the reason why I'm writing you up, he goes, this is a lesson to you that your job, your post is right here, putting bikes together." And just because there's a flurry of all kind of stuff that's going on, you stay at your post and do what I've told you to do. No matter what else is going on out here, no matter what anybody else is telling you to do, no matter what all the things that are that, that may be going on, and it looks good. Some of it, lo- it looks good. It's good to help people. But I'm telling you, I've told you to do this job. And I, <clears throat> I got that right up. I went home and told my mom about it. She said, she said, son, she goes, he's absolutely right. Mr. McClanahan is absolutely right. I was able to go home and talk to him about that. We laughed about it. <laughs> I said it wasn't funny at the time, but I just <laughs> laughed with him about it. And here's what I'm, what I'm going to say. As we talk about this vision weekend, we have, as the church, abandoned our post because we thought that there were some things that were good. I'm telling you, God is calling us to realign with what he has called us to do as the church. Man, I'm telling you what, there's all, there's a flurry of things that are going on in the world right now. There's things that are, that are happening, but the one of the reasons why it's happened is because the church at some point has abandoned her post and therefore we got to get back on track. It's like we, it's like waking up a big sleeping giant. Amen. Waking, the church has got to wake up. Um, you waking up a sleeping giant. You think about that, that Jack and the Beanstalk where a guy goes, fee, fi, fo, fump. What you gonna do now you don't have Trump? We're gonna try to figure out. I'm telling you that it's, it's a deal. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are we going to do? I said this last, a uh, couple of weeks ago. I was like, the church is abandoning her post. And somebody said to me, what do you mean abandon her post? What was our post? What, what was it that God's called us to do? I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Turning your Bibles to, to Luke chapter 4, um, and, and while you're turning there, this is Jesus getting ready to start his ministry. Um, and, and so, again, as I'm telling you, the church has, has got to wake up. we got to wake up. Amen? If she, she wasn't awake before, she absolutely <laughs> needs to be awake now. I have a, um, I, I, I love, I love my kids, but I, right now, the ones I have in the house right now that, um, that I'm working with is, is, um, is my, the favorite boy in the house, because uh, CJ's not there, but Luke is, and he is a big boy. Have you ever seen my son Luke? He is, he's huge. He's humongous. And um, I know that's not a word for you to start sending me emails about, hey, that's bad English. I know he's, that's not a word, but, but uh, he's big. So sometimes his mom, when she goes to wake him up, you know, she'll be like, she'll be like, Luke, it's time. She'll be gentle at first. She'll be like, Luke, it's time to get up. You know, it's time, it's time to wake, you know. And so he'll, you know, whatever, you know, growl or whatever. And she'll come back in and say, like, hey, I, I, <laughs> you need to get up. And so and if he doesn't get up that time, then I just know. I go ahead and I'm just like, man, it's going to be bad. Somebody pop some popcorn. It's not going to be good. Pop some popcorn. Watch. You know, the door flings open and go in there. I said, get up. And all of a sudden he's up, you know, feet hit the floor or whatever. Because it's, it's, not, it's not time for sleeping for the church. It's not time for us to shriek back. It's time for us to step into all that God has for us. And you individually and us corporately as the body of Christ. What is it that he's called us to do? These are things that we've compromised. I believe the church has compromised in some things 
And, and therefore, God is wanting us to realign ourselves with what his word says. Amen? What he has called us to do. And this is our mandate. We're talking about, so next three weeks, we're going to be talking about our, the mandate. What is the vision that God has called us to do? So there's some things that I'm going to draw your attention to. We're going to start at verse 1. And, and this is where Jesus was being tempted, but goes into being tempted by the, Holy, by, by the devil, but the Holy Spirit led him. Here's what it says in verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, listen at that, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days, he ate nothing, and afterward, when, <clears throat> when they had ended, he was, he was hungry. Now I want you to skip down. Um, and to verse 16. So he's being, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And then he's led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted. And is this what it says? So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought and, uh, and his custom, and his custom was, and he went in synagogue and he stood up and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And, and so he's in this, and this is what he says. This is what, what he says in it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How many know that the poor need the gospel preached to it? Now, as he said, the spirit of God is upon me up there in verse 14. The Bible says he returned from that place and the power of the spirit, the power, say that with the power of the spirit. And I want you to look up just for a second. I'm going to just tell you this, that we can do nothing alone except for the power of the Spirit of God. There's one thing to be full of the Spirit. There's another thing for the power of the Spirit of God working in us to do what he's called us to do. We are Spirit-empowered people. For those of you that are new, for those of you that are, are, are fresh and, and just like, well, come to the church uh, for the first time, if you want to know what we're about, I'm going to just say this out loud. We are a Spirit-filled church. We are a spirit-filled, Holy Spirit brand. We talk in tongues. We pray for people. We believe in miracles, signs and wonders, healings. And we believe that our faith in our God, we believe that the, that the gifts are not passed away. We believe that they are for today. We believe that God heals. We believe he still sets the captives free. He still sets those that are oppressed free. He's still God. He's still on the throne. We're not talking about something past. We're talking about right now. The Spirit of God is working in us right now. The Bible says that where there are two or three gathered in his name there, he is in the midst of us. I'm telling you right now, some of you said, I just came this morning. I didn't know if it was going to snow. I didn't know if it was going to happen, so I came. I'm telling you, you came to a Spirit-filled encounter with God is what you came into. Because that's what we believe. Every day, every day, every day I pray that we don't just come to this place and this house just to meet. I pray that you get just, just smacked upside the head by the Spirit of God. I pray that you get it, you get changed and transformed and that you don't just go out and just heard a good sermon, but you leave and you are empowered to do what God has called you to do. You hear what I'm telling you? That's what I believe God is saying to us. This is why I'm praying and crying out to God because I don't want to just have good services. I don't want you to go to, to lunch and, and while you're eating your chicken tortilla soup and you go, wow, that sure was a good sermon. And you don't even remember what I said. I want the power of God to come in and change you and to transform you. And then after you're transformed and you're changed, you're going to go out and do that to other people. Yeah. Good. So Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. 
You are set apart. You are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. I mean, you know that the good news of the gospel still needs to be preached. The good news. Well, well so many people, if you, you, you can't tell the good news if you don't know the good news. There's good news. This weekend, as I was, I mean, I had turned off the news, guys. I'm telling you, I turned it off. I, didn't, I hadn't been watching it. I just had not been watching any, anything that had to do with the stuff that was going on. Somebody had to tell me. Somebody had to tell me. I was at lunch with, with um, Kevin and I were at lunch with a friend. They were like, do you see what's going on? Did you hear about what's going on? I go, no. I hadn't heard what was going on. Just like they're storming the Capitol, all this stuff's going on. And I, I, I just didn't even, I didn't even know because I, I turned it off. And so, um, and my friend, he goes, that's the last thing we need right now. I'm telling you, I was thinking to myself, well, the first thing that we need is we need the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need preachers to get back in the pulpit and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. It is a power of God unto salvation and proclaim the name of Jesus, that there's no other name under heaven by which men can call on and be saved, that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every every bondage to loose all of the shackles that the enemy has placed upon people. Our God is a call consuming fire. And so we need to preach the fact that heaven is still open. Hell is still hot and God is still on the throne. You want to know why? There's a fiery furnace that's burning on the inside of me. It's because I'm tired of compromising. I'm tired of the church compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, it can all go away. Take your fog machines. Take your lights. Take all that other stuff. When it all is said and done, the only thing that's going to matter is the fact that we were standing here at this place at 4041 Marsh, Marsh Lane and we stood flat-footed in the face of adversity and we told the enemy that you can not have Carrollton. You can't have Plano. You can't have Louisville. You can't have these other surroundings. Can't have Garland. You can't have all these other places because our God, our God is on the throne. And because he's on the throne, we win. We win. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach this gospel to the poor, to proclaim the gospel to the poor. This is what he said, what he and then, and then he said he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I mean, when I saw some things this week, and I was, I was having breakfast with one of our pastors, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I, I, I was trying to talk to him. He goes, hey, whoo, whoo, hey. And I'm just like, it looked like something that I had seen like in Bosnia, in another third world. It looked like something. I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the capital? Where, where, where are we? Where, what place are we in? And so I was just thinking to myself, I was like, Lord, I was like, are you, uh, I was like, I was like, are you seeing this? And so he said this to me, <laughs> like, Lord, are you seeing this? He goes, are you seeing this? So I'm, I'm asking you this morning, are you seeing this? I'm not saying are you seeing it with the eyes of, oh my gosh. Oh, and I've heard a lot of this this week. A lot of, I've heard it's a sad day for the United States. It's a, oh, it's a bad day for the United States. Oh man, I never thought it would come to this. I want to tell you this morning that it is a great day for the church to arise and be who God's called her to be. It is a great church for us to stand in this place. It is a good day for the church, for the bride of Christ to stand with not spot or wrinkle and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are hurt 
hurting. I'm looking at those people and I'm realizing the fact that they're hurting, that they're lost, and that they don't have a Savior. They don't have someone to tell them about the good news of the kingdom of God. That's the post I'm talking about. We've got to get back to that place. And somebody said, well, why are you telling me what we should do, what we need to do? I, that's my job. I'm going to tell you that. If you come to this house, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do, the work we're to do. If you want me to come in, if you expected us in this church to be a place where we sing kumbaya and we clap our hands and we sing good songs and I'm supposed to tell you a message that's supposed to tickle your ears, you are in the wrong place. I am not trying to tickle your ear. I'm trying to pull it. My mother, when she would try to get my attention, she would grab my ear and she would pull it down to her face and she would say, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So I want to tell you this morning, not only do you need to understand the words that are coming out of his mouth, he says that we are not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds out of his mouth. And so I won't pull your ear this way. I'll pull your hair. I'm going to get your attention that we have a job to do. God has called us. We got to get back to the place where we're preaching the gospel to the poor. It's like, well, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at I'm not good at talking to people about Jesus. I'm not good about I don't have a story. I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. Everybody has a story. I love that old hymn. I was thinking about it this morning. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. You start praising your Savior all the day long. Do you think you're going to get some attention in times like this? People see you praising the Lord and, and following after God and worshiping God and having peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't think that's going to get some attention? People be like, why in the world are you peaceful? You must haven't, you haven't seen the news. Have you been watching CNN? Uh, by the way, no, we don't watch CNN. <laughs> you have been watching Fox? No. What you been watching? What you been watching? I've been keeping my eyes on the one who is able to keep me. I've been keeping my eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What have you been watching? I've been watching him. My eyes are upon the Savior. My eyes are upon the Redeemer. My eyes are upon the one who is able to keep me, and he is able to keep me and, and, and not suffer my foot to be moved. He, I'm keeping my eyes on the one who says that his angels have charge over me. They'll bear me up with my hands so that I won't even dash my foot against the storm. My eyes are upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what I've been watching. I've been watching him. And so we watch, but at the same time, we proclaim the gospel to the poor and, and heal the brokenhearted. Can I tell you this, though? At the same time, he's called us to heal the brokenhearted, but you can't heal the brokenhearted if you, if you have a broken heart. But here's what I'm asking. When is the last time, mm, I was praying this this week over us. When was the last time he broke your heart over the loss. When was the last time? Now, I'm not trying to, trying to make you like, are you trying to make me feel bad? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But I'm just telling you, my heart breaks for the loss. Breaks for those that don't know him. They don't know him. They don't know the love that, I, that, 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 that I've experienced. They don't know. They haven't experienced, haven't experienced the salvation. I was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. They hadn't experienced that. And they're, they're breaking in and doing stuff. All this stuff, all this crazy as chaos is because they don't know him. I'm saying that's what God has called us to do is to tell the people, tell those that don't know him about the one who has come to die for them and has, and, and absolutely
absolutely come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's called them to come out of that place where they're, where they're just dark and they're just depressed. And all this stuff that's going on, every community, Black Lives Matter, I'm calling all that, uh, all, all, the, all, the, all the groups, all the communities, everybody that's angry, all that stuff that's going on. You can get mad about it or you can say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. We can get upset about it. You can get mad about it. You can, you, can, you can talk and say all the stuff you want to say. But when it's all said and done, are you going to get back at your post? Get back on your post and do what God's called us to do. I'm telling you, this is what God, he said, listen, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know people that are bound up that need to hear the gospel, the freedom. That was right. That's why we have free indeed. When Pastor Terry talks about it'll change your life, <laughs> I love that. Because it looks so he's sitting behind that desk, but he knows. He wants to get up and just say, hey, it'll change your life. We've been doing free indeed for, for forever. We've been doing it a long time. And I'll be sitting up there and be like, and God is saying this about you being free. And I'll be like, man, that's for me. <laughs> be preaching it and be, be talking about it because that's what he's called us to do. That's what he has done. Do you remember being bound? How many remember being bound? How many, how many of you remember being bound and then you were set free? Oh, man, you remember that? You remember coming out of the free, coming out of bondage, and all of a sudden you're free? I'm going to tell you guys a story. It's a true story. Vanessa hates it when I tell this story. But I, I, I got arrested one time, um, and she goes, we don't tell people that. But it was over a speeding ticket because I hadn't paid a speeding ticket. It wasn't because I went and robbed a bank or something. But she wouldn't be married to me. But I, I, I got arrested because I had an unpaid speeding ticket. And lo and behold, Vanessa and I were dating and so she should have ran then. I'm just telling you, she should have, she should have known then. Like this boy ain't nothing but trouble. And so I'm in jail. I'm in there, and I'm just like, I can't believe it. I'm, 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 I'm 18 years old, unpaid speeding ticket. They go, you got one phone call. And I know it wasn't gonna call my parents. <laughs> I may have been born that night, but not last night. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't gonna call my mom and dad. You know, because I just, I would, all of a sudden I hear that. You know, my father coming in. So I didn't call dad. I called the one who my soul delights in. I called the one whom I know would pull me out. I called the one. And so, anyway, I called Vanessa. <laughs> I called Vanessa. What you guys don't know is that she. This is, the, this is why I'm saying she should have ran. She should have took off because she had prepared a lovely dinner for us, a candlelight dinner for us. The candles were set. Uh, the, the mood, she's a chef. She loves to cook. The food was, was made. And she gets a phone call from me. Hey, honey, where are you? We were dating at the time. I go, you ain't going to believe this. She goes, where are you? I go, I am in jail right now. She goes, you got to be kidding me. I go, nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm in jail. 
And she goes, well, what are you, what are you, she goes, what over? What'd you do? I said, I'm speeding, trying to get home to you. Um, I'm speeding. And, um, you know, because I can pour it on pretty good. I was trying to get home to you because my heart was racing. I'm trying to get home to you. And all of a sudden, I got pulled over. But I didn't realize that there was an unpaid speeding ticket I didn't pay. So I am here in jail. She goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, they just gave me pizza. So that, she goes, are you sure you're in jail? I go, I am. They just fed me pizza, you know, because they felt sorry for me. And so anyway, because I've never been in jail before. Anyway, she goes, I'm on my way. So she comes uh, and so she had to go, no, she had to go all the way downtown to get a, a Bell's Bondsman or whatever and get, me, and get me out. They paid it, and all of a sudden, I could hear the keys jingling down the hall. I go, I wonder who that's for. I wonder who that's for. I want to tell you this morning that there's some keys jingling down the hall, and the world is wondering, who is it for? Who's that for? And I'm telling you this morning, we can jingle those keys and just say, that's for you, because you can be free today. You can walk in freedom today. You can walk out of that place of misery. You can walk out of that place where the enemy has held you captive, and you can walk into freedom that God has for you. So they're jingling the keys, and all of a sudden, the guy goes, McCray? I said, that's me. That's me. And I want to tell you this morning that God knows your name. He's called your name today. He's called the name of those that have been walking in darkness, those that have been walking. I don't care what group you've been in. I don't care what denomination you come back, come from and what background of life that you've been in. I'm telling you, he knows your name. And so when he said, McCray, I said, that's me. He said, your bond has been paid and you get to go free. I'm telling you what, there was a feeling of excitement when I walked out of that jail cell. Now listen, I wasn't planning on them being there long, but I'm telling you, being in any type of bondage, in any type of captivity. When you walk out of that place, there's freedom. There's a sense of freedom. And you just be like, I'm never going back there again. And But all of a sudden, though, I look back there. There was a couple of other guys that were like, good luck. You know, we're going to be here for a while. But there was a sense. I'm thinking, man, I I'm free. I want to go out and break and break others out of that bondage. Is there something that God placed on the inside of you that when you come out of bondage, that then all of a sudden you want to set others free? Because free people, free people. Free people. Hurt people. people. That's right. That's right. I'm telling you. So if when you get free because he has come to heal up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty as those that are captive, when he's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, then you want to go get others free. That's what God's called us to do. This vision weekend, we're getting back to our posts to heal up the brokenhearted. We are going to be a church that is about the lost. I want you to hear me saying that we're about the lost people as well. We want to see the lost people come in, come out of dark. You just trying to, are you trying to grow the church numbers? Absolutely not, because we are still disciples, and we are making disciples who make a difference. I remember coming to this church. Um, I'm going to have to scoot that up because I said 18, but 18 was when I went to jail. But when I was 19 years old coming here to the church, I remember Pastor Terry, the first time I saw him, he would talk about the love of the Father, the love of the Father. And I'm telling you what, when I, when I, I'd be like, man, this is stuff that I've heard ever since I was a kid. I know about the love of the Father. I know about the love of the Father. I knew it. I knew it because we sang the song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Uh, and, and so they are weak, but we, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. He loves me because the Bible tells me so. I know that since I was a kid, but I'm telling you, I knew it in here, but I didn't know it in here. It had not made the journey from my head to the heart because I was in bondage, full of fear, full of performance, full of all that stuff. But all of a sudden, Pastor Terry would preach. He would preach on all the time. His message hadn't changed. The love of the Father, a revelation of the love of the Father, and his perfect love cast out all fear. 
You know what I saw this week? I saw a bunch of fearful people. Fearful. I'm talking both sides. Church side, people's side, worldly side. They're afraid because they hadn't got what they wanted, and they, they feel like they've been cheated. They feel like they've been this. And the church is like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Are we going to be safe? Are we going to be? Well, I'm telling you what, we need a revelation of the love of the Father. Right. It'll come in and release us from that fear and have us step into the place where we know in whom we have believed that he is able to keep me and keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That the love of God, that there's no torment, in, there's a lot of torment and fear, but when fear has to go, fear has to go when I'm standing in his love. Fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm, I don't know what key that is. I know y'all are waiting on me to tell you what key it is. I don't know what it is. But that's what God's called us to do. He's called us to preach the gospel to the poor, heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those that are captive, and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, stay here just for a second, because this, we're talking about vision weekend. The vision is this, that the recovery of sight has to, I want you to listen to this, the recovery of sight there's two different words that has to do with that word, recovery of sight. Uh, if you look it up in the Hebrew, if you look it up in the Greek, it's two different, it has two, two, two meanings. It means to look to and to look forward. And so to recover sight means that at some point you've had to lose sight to have to be able to recover it again. Right. I believe that God is calling us to recover and recalibrate and re, uh, just recover and, and realign our sights where we're looking at what he's looking at. When I was teaching my, our kids to drive, because, you know, Vanessa was like, I'll teach them the written part. I mean, I'll teach them the test part, but you're, you, you have to take them. You have to take them. <laughs> I was not smart in that because I didn't realize what she was doing until I started driving with them. You start speaking in the third level of tongues. I'd be like, woo Is you know, Michael Jackson tongues? We don't even say anything. You just, you know, I just start, I don't even, I just make noise. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm talking about, and, and all it was was, the truth is, is that they would get off. They, they, they'd look at, they squirrel, I don't know what it was. They would look at something and they would start driving toward what, I like, I grabbed the wheel, she put it back. You know, it's like, hey, keep your eyes on the road. You know, they'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry, Dad. Like, don't say sorry. Just stay on the road. <laughs> just my life, my life. You know, I mean, I'm telling you what. Vanessa says no to she goes, I see you wear your seatbelt. I go, yes, I do. I put it on. I dub tied around my neck, you know, and bind it. When I put it on, because they drive, they don't drive right, man. I'm telling you, it's my car. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I'm, yeah, I just, I just, all of a sudden, but I'm telling you, they would get off and get off. I'm telling you, whatever you will become, whatever you're beholding, if you're beholding fear, if you're beholding all this stuff, you'll become it. It'll come be a part of your life. But if you are focused on the one, on your focus on him, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under this shadow of the Almighty, being in the secret place and, and, and keeping your eyes upon him. So I just really keep, and I saw so this is what, this is how I fixed that. I said to them, I go, this is how, this is what you need to do. Because they would, you know, just right over the steering wheel, you know, just looking. And I said to them, I go, look down the road. 
Keep, just don't look what's in front of you. Look way down the road and already judge it before it gets to you. So that way you, you've already judged it. So you look, look further down the road. So here's what I'm going to tell you as a church, as a body of Christ, my brothers and sisters, my, my, my family, my fathers and mothers that are here in this house, those of you that are watching online. Let's look forward, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, looking to him. That means if you're looking unto Jesus, you got to look away from the problem. If you're looking under Jesus, you got to look away from the, the negative. If you're looking under Jesus, you got to look away from all the hurt and the past and all the shame and all the other stuff. But I'm going to choose not to look at that, but I'm going to choose to focus my eyes and look unto Jesus. And I'm telling you what, I look unto the hills which cometh my help, my help coming from the maker of heaven and earth. And because I know that I, I, my eyes are upon him and I'm focused upon him, that then, then that's the case that though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it won't come nigh me because I'm looking at Jesus. I don't know if you were able to look this morning, but um, I was thinking about the fact, I went over and told Pastor Terry this, uh, Lauren and Brooklyn were just running back and forth up here this morning. I loved it. They were, I was dancing with them and different things, and they were just swaying back and forth, and I walked up to Pastor Terry. I go, <clears throat> do you think they know what's going on in the Capitol? <laughs> They're up here skipping and dancing and having fun, they must have not have seen the news. <laughs> if they saw news, they wouldn't be up here skipping and running and jumping and carrying on. But it's the truth. I want to be like that. I want to skip around. I want to dance around. I want to be lighthearted. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy what God has given me. Because you know what? No one has told them. And even if they told them, they wouldn't know what we were talking about anyway. And so you need to be there. That somebody says, have you seen what's going on? Have you seen what our country has become? You go, I know who the government's shoulder is on. It's on his. He said his government, the government will be on his shoulders. And it's not, listen, if you were looking to a president or you were looking to somebody to save us? Yes. Are you kidding me? I voted for him. I can say that. I'm going to say it and I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm not looking to him to save me and to save us. I'm looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. And he's still my president. And if Biden gets in, I'm going to pray for him. We're going to pray for those who have rule over us because that's what God's called us to do. Yes. Do we feel like there's been some injustice? Yes. Do we feel like the enemy has done some things? Yes, but he hasn't won. As long as, as I'm the lead pastor of this church, we are going to tell the truth. And we're going to stand in truth. I'm not going to back down. I'm not back down. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say things that are, that are just going to be politically correct. I'm not. I care about what God says and his word says more than I care about what they can, what the world and what everybody else, what they can do to me. We're going to, we're going to be a people of truth. Amen. We're going to stand in this place not talking about being rebellious, but we are going to stand in this place that God has for us. Heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are captive, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. We're going to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which another other versions say the year of the Lord's favor. Somebody look on that on 2020 and go, that was not the year of the Lord's favor. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. 
How can you say that? You saw what happened in 2020? I did. But there was a lot of good stuff that happened in 2020. And it was a great year for God to do some things that he hadn't done before. And guess what? 2021 is a great year for God to do some things that he hadn't done before. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to what that's going to look like. Man, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. But I look forward in expectancy. My expectation in on man, my expectation in on government. That's why I found that clip of, of Billy Graham um, because I saw that, I go, hey, I don't know what was going on during that time for him to say that, but it seems fitting for us right now. God has not abdicated the throne. He's still on the throne. And because he's still on the throne, God's got good things in store for us. And we're going to stand, therefore, having our loins girt about with truth. What are you going to do? We're going to stand. We're going to continue to stand. And we're going to continue to fight. And we're going to pray. Some of you, uh, tell the truth, some of your prayer lives have gone up. Is that true? Some of you like, you's like, I prayed more than I ever prayed before. Why? Because I've been home more than I ever been before and been reading the Bible, been in the Word. Good, but we're going to continue moving forward in what God has for us. And we're going to look back on 2021 and we're going to say, and now, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done. For us. You guys remember that song? I know you're like, why are you always be taking us back to some of these old songs? I'm just telling you, you remember, we're going to go, we, we're not going backwards, but some of those songs sustained us during the hard times. God is just calling us to go one foot in front of the other and in front of the other and in front of the other. How do you know that? Because he says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down because the Lord will uphold him with his hand. Amen? Amen? That's what God's called us to do. So good. So the first vision weekend, and I'm telling you, is Luke 4, 18 and 19. God has called us. And this is, let me tell you, this is what the, the best part about this scripture is. Let me tell you, because this is what's funny about this. It was just weird about it. As I read, I meditated upon this to share with you this morning. He said that this Jesus found the place where it, where it was in Elias, and he, and, he wrote, and he read it in Isaiah. And then... He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I read that as he dropped the mic. <clears throat> he goes to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But I guess uh, closing the book and giving it back to the attendant is the same effect. And then, and then listen at this. Look at this. Look at this verse. The same verse 20. And, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He just said that, and they're all looking at him because he spoke these words. And this is the best part of that, where he goes, verse 21, and he began to say to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, today, I want you to say it with me, today. Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's like, no, Pastor Chris, that scripture was fulfilled back in Jesus' day. Like, no, no, no. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. What are you talking about? Because I'm telling you that the spirit of the Lord is upon you. 
The spirit of the Lord is upon you and he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He's, a, he's anointed you to heal up the broken heart. He's, a, he's anointed you to set at liberty those that are come. I'm telling you, he's, telling, he's saying today that we're anointed to do it and he's with us. And then today the scripture is fulfilled in the hearing. So here's what it said. They all bore witness to him, verse 22, and marveled at the gracious words that proceed out of his mouth. And he begins preaching to them. And at the end of that service, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Tried to kill him. I don't want this service in that way, but <clears throat> that'd be really good. But there are going to be some people that don't want to hear, they don't want to hear the message that you're preaching. There are going to be some people that are, that are sick and tired and saying the church is this, the church is that. There's some people that don't want to hear it, but I want to tell you today, it shouldn't affect the fact that we are preaching the gospel to the poor and seeing people come out of darkness and into his light. Anybody have a heart to see the lost come in out of the darkness and into light? It's time. It's time. 